0: The Bible says in the book of Jonah, chapter 1 and verse 1 Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, With the help of the Lord, I'll share a message with the title, Jonah, a reminder of our responsibility to the unsaved. Let me repeat that. Jonah, a reminder of our responsibility to the unsaved. Just think about it for a moment. Jonah seems to be the only book where actually we have a biblical um, personality who really did not bring glory to God. It's very difficult to find a book in the Bible with the title of someone who was not the best example in in being a role model for God. Think about any other book in the Bible. You know, you, you think about the prophets, Daniel, whether it's Isaiah, they all, even the women, Esther, Ruth, they all brought glory to God. The only anomaly or odd person seems to be Jonah. So one can ask the question why why did God put this book or this prophet in in his Bible among the 66 books of the Bible? I think that's a legitimate question. But you see I think the reason God put the book of Jonah in the Bible is because God wants to speak to his people. And the message would be, we all have a responsibility to the unsaved. And here is a prophet who never took this privilege, this duty seriously. So I think that's why the book of Jonah is a very unique book. Because you study this book, and all the way to the end, it's clear that Jonah never really experienced a change of heart. He was still the same Jonah. (laughs) The, the, The punishment he received only changed him to the degree that he no longer wanted to suffer for himself. But did he love other people after that? Absolutely not. He never changed. So there is a message for us. Um, It's not a comforting message, but remember the Bible tells us that as long as it is called today, we should not allow our hearts to be hardened. The children of Israel perished in the wilderness. We don't want to perish in this wilderness of the world today. And today's message is not to the unsaved, it's to the saved. It's to those who know Jesus, to those who are seasoned in the things of God. God wants to remind us about our responsibility to a world that is not saved can we say amen praise god so let's begin jonah one verse one says the word of the lord came unto jonah amen the word of the lord came to Jonah. isn't that wonderful how many people can say the word of the lord came to me here's a man who was so privileged He took it for granted that the word of the Lord would come to him. He was a prophet. And this was the job description, if you will, of a prophet. To hear the word of the Lord. The day God, God, the word of the Lord no longer comes to a prophet. He is no longer a prophet. But thank God that the word of the Lord comes to us. I hope The word of the Lord comes to you also. Now and then. When you open the word of God. Right now while I'm preaching to you. I hope and pray. That you can also say. The word of the Lord. Came to me also. Praise God. Because in these last days. The book of Hebrews says. God speaks to us through his son. By whom he made all things. Whenever. We hear the word of God. Whenever we hear the Bible preach or you open the pages of the Bible, the word of the Lord has come to you. Can we all say the word of the Lord has come to me. The word of the Lord has come to us. That is why we really don't need prophets today. I mean, there is the ministry of the prophet, but it's not as it was in the Old Testament. The Bible says, When the spirit of God will come upon us. He will teach us all things. We have an unction from the Holy One. And he will teach us. So we're all in a sense prophets of God. Amen. And we have to be filled with the word of God. We have to say yes. I have a word from the Lord. Think about the word the title prophet. Jonah was a prophet. Um, what is a title supposed to mean? What title do we carry today? We call ourselves Christians. And to be a Christian entails, among others, to reach out to the lost and the dying about salvation in Jesus' name. I think we can all agree to that. It would be totally wrong to accept the title Christian and not believe in witnessing to others to a lost world about salvation in Jesus' name. Can we say, say to yourself, I am a Christian. That is the one title that we are proud of. And we should be proud of. But that title comes with a big responsibility. And that responsibility is to share our faith. You can only share something when you have some extra for others. Amen. We are supposed to have so much of Jesus in us. Our cup should be running over. And that leads us to share. Jesus with other people. The question is, are we honoring this title? I do not think that Jonah honored the title of prophet. You see, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 52 and verse 7, the book of Isaiah, chapter 52 and verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains Are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Praise God. Sadly, Jonah's feet were not beautiful in the sense that Isaiah declares. Because his feet were not interested in going and preaching salvation to the lost and the dying. The question today is about our feet. How beautiful are our feet? Amen. I wish to use the story of Jonah to challenge us in our approach to reaching a lost world today. The aim is not to shame Jonah. But to shame the Jonah that is in us today. The Jonah that holds Gentiles and unsaved people in contempt. That is the Jonah we need to challenge today. I think there is such a Jonah in each and every one of us. The Jonah who wants to select who you want to be saved. The Jonah who neglects the privilege and the duty of sharing Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. This is the Jonah I want to challenge today. And trust you me, that Jonah is in every one of us. Sometimes he's awake and preaching. Sometimes he goes to sleep in us. We have to say to him, awake, O sleeper. Amen. With the help of the Lord, I wish to... Awaken this Jonah in us. The people are in trouble. Everyone is calling upon their God. How are we sleeping? How is Jonah sleeping? In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, we know that Jonah not only decided to disregard the command of God to go to Nineveh, But he even fooled himself into thinking that there is a possibility of escape from God. Now imagine that. He really believed that there is such a thing as escaping from God. Perish the thought. Let us turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 1 and verse 3. Jonah, chapter 1. And verse 3, the Bible says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Hmm, shocking words when we consider that this was a prophet of God. Is there a fee we can pay to escape the Lord? God have mercy. What fee, what amount are we willing to pay to escape the Lord? What a waste of money. Jonah found this trip to be the most expensive and the most dangerous trip that he ever undertook. If we try to pay money to escape Jesus, that becomes the most dangerous and most expensive trip we've ever paid. It is better to surrender to the Lord. It is better to fall down at his feet say have mercy upon me Lord save me from my problem my challenge my prejudice my whatever in Jesus name but there is no escape from the Lord did he think that God only spoke in Israel or that God had no jurisdiction or authority over Tarshish Had he forgotten the words of King David who in a poetic manner captured the futility of escaping the presence of God in Psalm 139 verses 9 and 10, David said, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. And thy right hand shall hold me. Praise Jesus. One thing David knew. There is no escape from God. You can escape Goliath. You can escape the Philistines. There is no escaping the God of Israel. There is no escaping the spirit of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If I take the wings of the morning... And dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me. And thy right hand shall hold me. Notice what David is saying. Even if I try to escape from you. To the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there God will actually be his right hand. Because God is merciful towards his people. They may try to escape him. But God will be protecting them. (laughs) Can somebody say hallelujah? How wonderful is God? When his own people try to escape him, he actually protects them. In our delusion to escape him, God will prepare a fish. He will prepare safety for us. He will ensure that we do not hurt ourselves. In our rebellion, He will still take care of us. His right hand will still be there. (laughs) He's a wonderful father. He's a wonderful father. Praise God. Just as a prophet who disregards the word of God becomes completely delusional, so too the Christian who forgets his or her responsibility to the lost and the dying will also become. Completely delusion. The best place to be is where Jesus wants us to be talking to unbelievers, appealing to the lost and the dying, witnessing to the unsaved. There is no safer place than that, brothers and sisters. There is no more blessed place than that. Hallelujah. Did you know that it was safer for the Apostle Paul to be put in chains and come before Festus and Felix and Caesar than to be let loose and be free among the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Because they wanted to just wipe him out. But Jesus put him in chains. And he was given protection by the soldiers of the Roman Empire. His own people could not touch him. Because God called him to reach the Gentiles. If necessary, God will do it in chains. So Paul was not ashamed to be the prisoner of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Because those prisoners, he did not say I'm a prisoner of the Romans. He said I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We are safe when we witness to the lost and the dying. But we will not be safe if we neglect our responsibility to witness to the lost and the dying. Praise God. May we be prisoners of the Lord Jesus. Wherever he may take us, whether it's the court of a Felix or a Festus or an Agrippa or a Caesar, None of them touched Paul. But when Paul was moving around freely among his own people, he was in danger of being killed. Praise God. Praise God. So, coming back to the story of Jonah, we see that this prophet was totally delusion. Once we disobey the Lord, we become blind. Jonah may have been blinded and deluded himself, but notice one thing. Even in the ship to Tarshish, he was already surrounded by unsaved Gentiles. Think about it. The Bible says he went down to Joppa and he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. Do you know that these people were Gentiles? (laughs) They were pagans. We know this. Because later they began to call upon the name of their gods. Who knows? Could it be that some of them were Ninevites? And in this way, God was giving tokens, supernatural tokens of his guidance to Jonah. He was trying to tell Jonah, Jonah, you're trying to run away from these people? You want to run away? But right here in Israel, right in the harbor in Joppa, there are these people. The unsaved world will meet us somewhere or the other. They will remind us of our duty to witness to them. Praise God. You know, we rejoice when God provides tokens of his supernatural guidance, as he did with Eliezer, the servant of Abraham. You remember Eliezer, a holy man of God? He was on his journey. He obeyed Abraham. He prayed to God and said, please, confirm, give me a sign that I will find the right person. And we know the story of how we met Rebecca. But, you know, we may not be so glad for the tokens when we are in rebellion against God. Praise God. We rejoice when we are in the will of God and God gives us confirmation, signs here and there. But what happens, like Jonah, when God was giving him tokens, that he was neglecting his ministry? I wonder what kind of emotions welled up inside the Apostle Peter years later whenever he heard a rooster crow, a cock crow, After he repented. That was a token. Of his rebellion. Of his failure. But God in his mercy. Healed him. Restored him. Thank God for tokens. Signs. That he is always with us. Even when we are in rebellion against him. Hallelujah. He is a God who is never far away from his people. He's a God who will always remind us of who we are. Although we may do whatever we can to try to forget our identity. Some people try to drink themselves drunk, intoxicate themselves senseless. And they think in that way, they will forget who they are. You are the child of Jesus Christ. If you have repented, been baptized in his name, in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost. There's no escape. Why would you want to escape? Hallelujah. So God is a God of mercy even when we are in rebellion. Let's continue to read and study the story of Jonah. This amazing story in the Bible which sometimes perplexes us. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. Jonah Chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. Verse 7, And they said one to his fellow, Come. And let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Praise God. The Gentiles in the ship did not know who Jonah was. Think about it. All they could go by was his behavior. Yeah. They didn't know he's a prophet. They watched him. They saw a guy who came into the ship, a guy who seemed to be guilt-ridden, a guy who seemed to have no peace, a guy who just came in and looked for a place and went to sleep. So you know what title they gave him? Sleeper. Hallelujah. We may be proud to call ourselves Christian, but don't be so eager to, to advertise that to the world. Because the world will only go by what they see. They look at our behavior. They looked at this guy and they said, oh, uh, this guy, we don't know his name and we don't know his background and affairs. All we can say is he's a sleeper. I have a question for us, church. Does the world call the church sleeper? Are we sleeping? Spiritually speaking? Do you know that the the world has a right to judge us? Do you know that in the story of Jonah, the story of Jonah is actually the story of the world condemning the church? God have mercy. Think about what I'm saying. You may not have heard it thought from this angle here. But I will show you. That everyone was praying, the whole world was praying in that ship. It's like every Muslim praying right now in the world. Every Buddhist praying, every Jew praying, every uh, Hindu, every, everybody praying except the Christians. Do you know the world is praying today, Christian? Do you know Muslims are praying five times a day? Hindus are doing their pujas, chanting their prayers. Do you know that the world, the atmosphere above, the skies above are filled with billions of prayers that are coming up not just from Christians, but from unbelievers, what we used to call pagans, heathens? How much of that is from Christians? I know it's a strong message today, but that is what the doctor ordered, praise God. How much of those prayers are from Christians? I can tell you in that ship, the man of God had no prayer. The only prayer missing there was that which went to the God of Israel, the one through God, of whom Moses said, the greatest commandment of all was, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind and soul. There were no prayers going up to this God from that ship. Sometimes this is a condition of the spiritual world. There are no prayers going up from the church, but from Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and everybody else. God have mercy. We must repent sometimes. If the world, if the unsaved world is praying more than us. And what are they praying? They are praying for revelation. They are praying that the prophet will come and say 40 days. And Nineveh shall be overthrown. But they hear nothing. The church goes to sleep. The church is asleep in the boat. The quietest people sometimes can be the church. God have mercy. Even King Solomon noted in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 11. He said, even a child is known by his doings. Whether his work be pure or whether it be right. Amen. Even a child is known by his doings whether his work be pure and whether it be right. The world does not need a commentary on what they see. They know how to apply the correct labels to the church. And in this case, they said, Oh sleeper, I pray that we are not spiritual sleepers. Amen. I know we may be eager to call ourselves Christians, but what would the unsaved world call us if we were asleep? What would they call us based only on the the behavior they observe in us? The Gentiles were praying, but the man of God was asleep. He did not even perceive the danger that he was in. Jesus called the church to watch and pray. But it was the Gentiles who perceived the danger they were in and the man of God was asleep. What an indictment, indictment on the church. May God help us. I can almost hear the cacophony of prayers, sounds, noises rising up from Mecca and India, Varanasi and the Kumbh Mela and the Taoists and Buddhists from Japan and China, you can almost hear the cacophony of sounds. All of them praying and calling upon the name of their gods. But sadly, sometimes, the people who know the true God may be asleep, and hence, endangering everyone else. See, it's one thing when the church is asleep, but we will be endangering everybody else. The Christians, when the church goes to sleep, the Gentiles, the unsaved world, will accuse us. And at the same time, we are endangering everybody, including ourselves. Praise Jesus. The unsaved world is expecting the church to call upon the name of our God, whose name is Jesus. Hallelujah. It should have been the opposite. You remember Elijah? Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a contest of calling upon the true God. <laughs> Praise God. He didn't wait for them to call upon their God, Baal. He challenged them. He said, I have a good idea. First Kings chapter 18 and verse 24. First Kings chapter 18 and verse 24. The Bible says, Elijah said, and call ye on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord, one God. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Have you noticed the Gentiles have no problem with this? They are all for everyone calling upon the name of their God. But in the case of Jonah, it was the opposite. It was the Gentiles who took the initiative and said, call upon the name of your God. But on Mount Carmel, it was Elijah who took the initiative and said, everyone call upon your God. Hallelujah. And I, and I, who represents the church, amen. We who are Christians, amen. We should love it when the world tells us, let's all call upon our gods. And we say yes, and we will call upon the name of the one true God, whose name is Jesus, hallelujah. Because we know, as Paul said, in First Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. What is this mystery that the world doesn't know? God was manifest in the flesh. Hmm. God was manifest in the flesh. We have the true God in the Bible. He's a God who was manifest in the flesh. His name is Jesus. And the same Paul goes on to St. Colossians 2 and verse 19. Verse 9 he says, In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily praise God. There is only one God. This one God was manifested in the flesh. And everything that is God is in him. It is found in Jesus. Hallelujah. When you find Jesus... All other gods become redundant. They are useless. The only God there is is Jesus Praise God. Hallelujah. There is salvation in no other name. Acts 4.12. No other name under heaven given amongst men. By which we must be saved. Amen. But God is all for everyone calling upon the name of their gods. Then he will demonstrate that he is the one and only true God. Let's continue reading the story of Jonah and glean some insights for our edification. Jonah chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. Jonah chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. Nevertheless, The men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. Wow. Who said the Gentiles don't know how to pray? What an excellent prayer. What a beautiful prayer. You see, it is indeed a very sad day when the unsaved world struggles to save the prophet of God. What? Things have been turned upside. Me. Listen to what I'm saying. This is an indictment of a church that is gone to sleep and neglects its duty to a lost and dying world. Then the world will try to save the church and the world will not be able to save the church because God is not pleased with the church. So the Bible said they rode hard. They rode hard. Why? To save one man. The Bible says one man died for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. It's the opposite. The world should not work hard for one man. But one man worked hard and died. Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. Let it always be that way. Let it always be that way. The world shouldn't be working hard to save the church. The church needs to tell the world that one man died for the sins of the world. As Caiaphas, the high priest, prophesied that here. It is expedient that one person will die rather than the whole world, that all of Israel. Amen. So they try to save him. What a pity when the world is trying to save the church. But the Bible says the tempest, the tempest was against him. We cannot save that which God has determined not to save. Hallelujah. I pray to God the unsaved will not have to pray to save the Christian. I pray that the church will always pray for the unsaved world. And not vice versa in Jesus' name this was indeed a great spiritual tragedy you see the unsaved world is not always hostile to the gospel we shouldn't think that the world is always hates the gospel no we were part of the world before you see sometimes the world will actively cooperate in its own salvation There are people in the world who will cooperate in their own salvation. In the book of Acts, chapter 16 and verse 9, we have one such example. The Bible says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Wow. Think about it. Here was an unsaved man of Macedonia. And I'm telling you, There is always a man of Japan, a man of China. There's always a man of Peru. There's a man of Eritrea. There's a man of China. There's a man of every country who is calling out, come and help us, save us in Jesus' name. Give us the gospel in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. There is always an unsaved man of Macedonia or Portugal, or France, or wherever you may be, who's calling out to the apostles, to those who have the apostles' doctrine, come, save us, help us. Amen. Come over into Macedonia and help us. Praise God. So, you know, one would imagine that mighty And ferocious sharks would jostle in the sea to tear Jonah apart and devour him. But God prepared a great fish. See the mercy of God. Let us say God prepared a great fish. Amen. David said, even if I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, your right hand, that means your strength, your power will be there waiting for me. Even if I try to run away from you, see the mercy of God. He loves his people so much. God prepared a great fish. We don't know how long that great fish was being prepared, but it was ready. It was waiting under the ship. Hallelujah. At the moment they threw him overboard, the fish was waiting. Because God prepared the great fish. Amen. Whatever happens to us, God prepares salvation for us. Salvation for those, protection and deliverance for us who don't deserve it because we fail them. But God is merciful. That's why I said, if you want to boast, boast in this. That he is merciful. That's why we cannot stop saying. He's merciful. He's merciful. He's merciful. Praise God. He is good. His mercy endures forever. They sang in the temple. Truly he's merciful. Why would God prepare a fish? So that the sharks would not tear him apart. Praise God. I'm telling you that. There were many sharks that should have destroyed me and you. But God prepared a great fish. He protected us. We're still alive because he prepared something. He didn't allow the sharks to feast upon us. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise God. What a wonderful God we serve. No wonder David said when he was given a choice of punishments he said i surrender into the hands of god for he is merciful he trusts only the mercy of god we will always surrender ourselves to the mercy of god amen amen hallelujah even when the christian may rebel against god And fail in his mission to reach. The unsaved world. The Lord does not destroy the Christian. But he prepares something. Hallelujah. Has God prepared something for us? (laughs) Amen. You know God's prisons. Can be most unusual. And quite scary. It is fair to assume that. Jonah was subjected to a form of controlled torture. This was God's Guantanamo Bay, if you will. If you will excuse the comparison. For some of us who have lived for some years, you remember Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> it was supposed to be a place that belonged to no one. When the government of George W. Bush decided uh, on something called Special Renditions you know, there were these uh, terrorists who basically answered to no one and didn't play by any rules. So they came upon, upon this brilliant idea. We'll just, you know, just cause them to disappear off the streets, wherever they are, and put them in a in a plane and take them to a place called Guantanamo Bay. It's something like similar to what God did with Jonah. It's like you just take him and put him in a... In a high security prison. In an undisclosed location. You know this is even a mobile prison. Yeah? It keeps moving around. Somebody asks, Where exactly is the prison of Jonah? Uh, the entire ocean. 72% of the earth. <laughs> Praise God. We don't joke with God. He owns the earth. He owns the seas and the oceans. Amen. He can choose strange prisons. Amen. He does what he wants. Amen. Hallelujah. We ought to fear him. We ought to fear him. When somebody is as rebellious as Jonah, God is not concerned. He's not worried. God knows what is needed to break anybody. We don't like to preach about this, but can we, let's say it once. God knows how to break everybody. There's no one who has been unbroken when God decided to tame us, to domesticate us. And he has the right. He's our father. Hallelujah. And we love him and we respect him. Amen. The Bible says, unless you are bastards, that's not a good word, but that means he didn't give birth to us. But if if he's our real father, he has the right to discipline us. Can you imagine this kind of incarceration, this prison that he was put in. I compare it to controlled, controlled torture because just think about some of the things he experienced. He was deprived of light. How would you like it? Three days and three nights with no light. Just think about it. His movements were severely restricted in the stomach of the great fish. I don't know what Jonah was holding on to in the stomach of the fish, maybe its kidney or its lungs or liver, or I don't know what, but I can tell you uh, this was a, a choppy ride. He always was holding on for dear life. Imagine three days and nights of a roller coaster ride. I don't like roller coasters and these amusement parks. Sorry to say that, but uh, it's just too much for me. Uh, Imagine God putting me in something of that sort for three days and three nights. Vomiting, seasickness. He couldn't sleep. Sleep, total sleep deprivation. And uh, the stench. We, We haven't talked about the smell in the i mean that smell must have been enough to knock anybody out and not least if the fish swallowed humongous amounts of water jonah would have been subjected to a form of water boating <laughs> you remember that term <laughs> it's been 20 years ago but you know they took these uh, suspected terrorists to guantanamo bay and uh, later Uh, it was uh, revealed that they were subjected to something called water boating that the Vice President Dick Cheney and the others uh, had approved of secretly. The CIA basically, you know, uh, uh, torturing people with water, almost drowning them and uh, stopping short of drowning to to elicit information. Uh, It's horrible things. But... This is what God was doing to Jonah. Let's not pretend that Jonah was actually, you know, sleeping in the belly of the, the belly of this fish and just uh, praying nicely enjoying himself. No. When you're in that situation, uh, you will pray. Seriously. Amen. Never did a man pray so many feet under the water as did Jonah. Hallelujah. 3 days of nonstop prayer. Praise and worship and glory, hallelujah. (laughs) Why don't we praise God when everything is good and obey him when all is good? I don't want to praise God from Guantanamo Bay. I don't want to praise God from, uh, I mean, if I have to, I will, but uh, do you think God is glorified when you praise him, when he punishes you and he subjects you to this form of treatment? God will say, I knew it. He knew it. Of course, we were. <laughs> Amen. So I'm not here to make fun of Jonah again, but uh, if you think that what I was saying is exaggeration, let's read Jonah chapter two verses three, four and five. and you will see that it was probably worse than what I'm saying. Jonah chapter two, verses three, four and five, just a little sampling of what was going on in the belly of the, the fish. Jonah says this. For thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. And so on and so forth. This is a man who was in complete dread of the sea. And the power of the subterranean world that God has made. Hallelujah. Let me say one thing to you. The sea represented the unsaved world. Let me repeat that. Symbolically speaking. Spiritually speaking, the sea represented the unsaved world. It has no boundaries. Just as the unsaved world has no boundaries, the sea also has no boundaries. The sea has no country. The greatest diversity of creatures is found in the depths of the sea. The sea represents the unsaved world in all of its diversity. Jonah was held prisoner in the unsaved world, so to speak, until he repented and was prepared to preach the word of God to the world, to Nineveh. Praise Jesus. Just think about it. God gives power to the unsaved when Christians refuse to do their duty. In the distant past, God commanded the waters to destroy the rebellious. But Noah sailed safely on the surface because he was righteous and obedient. He sailed safely because he built an ark to save his family and the creatures that God appointed. Hallelujah. Contrast this with Jonah. Jonah is sinking underneath. He's incarcerated, imprisoned by God. But Noah was free on the surface of the waters, praise God. The difference is obedience, brothers and sisters. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Water saved Noah, and water destroyed the unrighteous. The waters of baptism in Jesus' name will save the obedient, and waters also destroyed the disobedient in the days of Noah. And the same waters held Jonah captive because he was not preaching salvation to a lost school. It's all in the waters. Hallelujah. Amen. The waters are either our allies or our ally or our enemy in salvation. Water has a lot of mystery. Amen. Praise God. The apostolic church, Jesus' only people, we are friends of the water. Amen. (laughs) You know, I I don't know if I should say this, but I've always watched the world. They uh, they love water. yeah. If every chance they can get, they go swimming, they go to the beaches. Uh, We love water. But we see salvation in water, not just pleasure not just pleasure for the flesh. For us, water is salvation in Jesus' name. That's where Jesus appoints to meet the unsaved, hallelujah, and the saved, hallelujah. It is in the water that Jesus will give you his body, a body for heaven. It is in the water, praise God, that Jesus will release you from the power of Pharaoh Remember, ten plagues could not stop Pharaoh, but the waters of the Red Sea stopped him forever. Hallelujah. There is power in the water in Jesus. Just as Naaman finally decided to come to the river Jordan and obey because the words of the prophet Elisha were waiting there, When the word of the prophet of Israel comes together with the waters, healing will occur. Salvation will come. Today, when we take people to the water, the words of the apostles are with us. The words of those holy men of Israel, hallelujah. It's the same thing happening today, hallelujah. Their words, that's why we call ourselves apostolic, because their words have power in the water. Because Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38 and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Take those words to any water in this world and it will bring salvation. Whether your water is called the Pacific Ocean or the Arabian Sea or the Sea of Japan, it works. The words of the apostles have power, hallelujah. To save to the uttermost in Jesus' name. Take those words, hallelujah, and use them. Call upon the name of Jesus in those waters. Just as the waters obeyed the voice of Elisha when he hit the river Jordan and said, Where is the God of Elijah? It obeyed. He said, Here, here is the God of Elijah. It's like the water, bow down, the water opened up and said walk i respect that name water respects the name of our god his name is jesus there are few forces that are more powerful than water in this world we know that even fire is quenched by water 72 percent of the earth is water there is only one name the water respects It has no fear of any other name except the name of Jesus. Can somebody shout amen, hallelujah, praise God. That's why I thank God for all 25 years I've baptized people in different bodies of waters all over the world. Different rivers, even the Arabian Sea outside of the coast of India. Uh, both sides, Andhra Pradesh, the West, Eastern side, Western side, praise God. All over Europe, many places in the world. Ha ah, in Egypt, praise God. God is good. His mercy endures forever. The water respects that name. Just mention the name of Jesus to the water, and blood will appear. The spirit of Jesus will appear. The water and the blood and the spirit agree hallelujah but water was commanded to punish jonah punish the preacher who sleeps who ignores the salvation of souls god help us if you're wondering why 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 is this brother running around here and there to egypt and ivory coast and here it's because we know the danger of going to sleep We will not sleep in Jesus' name. We will trouble ourselves in the name of Jesus. And I challenge you, everyone who's listening, to trouble yourself and to trouble me. Amen. We don't want to be prisoners of water, but we want to be collaborators with water in the plan of salvation in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Water did not kill the Apostle Paul. Water, he survived the waters of the Mediterranean. He even told them, the God whose I am and whom I serve appear to me, a man. He said, not one life will be lost on the water. Water does not kill the apostles. Hallelujah. It works together with the apostles in Jesus' name. Ah, how we love this doctrine. How we love this doctrine of salvation through knowing jesus as the one true god and baptism in his name to remove the body of adam and put on the body of christ hallelujah amen there is no other salvation beside this this doctrine because there is no higher authority than that given to peter amen the man who said in acts 15 verse 7 God made choice that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the gospel and believe, amen, praise God. And this is what he said on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There are billions, millions, billions to be saved, brothers and sisters. We haven't scratched the surface. Are we going to determine? Are we going to pray? that God will use us the remaining years that we have to take this gospel to the whole world. Hallelujah. There is a man of Macedonia. The first time I went to look at the list of countries that come and have been downloading our messages, I was shocked to see one country and one person from the country of, you guessed it, Macedonia. I was amazed. Tears came to eyes Because I was reminded of the man of Macedonia. And I prayed to Jesus, take me to Macedonia. And let me preach there someday. Listen, I don't know what other plans you may have in life, but I'm here to tell you. In the book of Daniel, chapter 12, the Bible says, Those who turn many to righteousness shall shine As the stars forever. Is this not what we want? This life is short, brothers and sisters. Let us focus correctly. Let us refocus. Everything else we are focusing on is futile. It is superficial. We live in a world of superficiality. As the return of Jesus comes closer, it seems the enemy is determined to Fill the world with maximum distractions. Let us focus on that which matters most for eternity. We have salvation. We must take it to the whole world. Let our business be the salvation of the world in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah, man! praise God. Say amen in Jesus' name. Jonah. Did not catch fish for God. So he was caught by a fish. Let me repeat this. Jonah did not catch fish for God. That is souls. So he was caught by a fish. That is the meaning of the story of Jonah. In Matthew 4 verse 19. Jesus said and he said unto them. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If we don't catch fish. God prepares fish to catch us. What will it be? I don't think it was a nice thing to be caught by a fish. Ask no Jonah. It's, we are better off catching fish. Let's go fishing in Jesus' name. Let's tell each other, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing so that fish don't catch us. What do I mean by the fish will catch us? The world will catch us. If we don't preach the gospel and bring people to salvation in Jesus' name, the world will catch us. The world will imprison us. God have mercy. The power of the world will overwhelm us. If we want to overcome the world, we must take the gospel to them in Jesus' name. Finally, and thank God, Jonah, Arrived in Nineveh. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 4, the Bible says he shouted, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But listen to this now. Do you know that he was already about six days late? That means you see, he was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. In addition to that, the Bible tells us when the fish spewed him out onto the shore, it was a 3 days journey to Nineveh. So all in all, he lost six days. I have a question. Were there people who died in the meantime? We cannot know. If so, Jonah had blood on his hands. Every day we procrastinate in preaching the gospel of salvation to souls. We risk having the blood of the unsaved on our hands. Every time we say tomorrow, in six days, I need to sleep. How many people die? So the message he was supposed to preach six days ago. He preached six days later. Had he preached this six days ago, they would have repented six days ago. Hallelujah. Oh, Think about the huge responsibility that we carry in Jesus. May the Lord grant us mercy to boldly declare as Peter did on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38. Repent. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let us obey. Let us determine to obey the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world. Amen. Preach the gospel to every creature Jesus said. That is our command, brothers and sisters. The story of Jonah, I want to conclude with these words, reminds us of our responsibility a lost and dying world the world is waiting for us to open our mouths to go to them we cannot be late not by six days, not by one day not by one hour in Jesus' name God bless you as we renew our commitment to Jesus as we pray right now let us determine. I challenge everyone here and those who will hear this message tomorrow, in years to come. Determine today. Pray today. Because once you are saved, there is no greater command that you have. If you, the Apostle Paul asked Jesus, who are you, Lord? And the next question was, what will you have me do? Praise God. And this is what we are to do. We are reach a lost and dying world in Jesus' name. Let us pray in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we bless you. I thank you for this message that you put in your servant's heart today. Lord God, the message of Jonah has come alive again thousands of years later to challenge us. We thank you for your mercy. We've understood today that the story of Jonah is actually the story of the church that is reluctant to take salvation to the world and the consequences of that. The Ninevites were prepared. You've told us, Jesus, behold, the fields are white. It's harvest time, praise God. But perhaps the church is still uh, reluctant. The church is procrastinating, dilly-dallying. Forgive us, Jesus. Today we come before you. The God of mercy who prepared a great fish. We want to repent today, Jesus. We want to ask for forgiveness for dragging our feet. Use us, Jesus. Send us, Jesus. I pray for those who are already laboring in the field who are being creative and In so many ways, industrious trying to reach the world and obey the Great Commission. Bless them all. Help us as we rededicate ourselves to this task, this noble, the noblest of all tasks, to preach the name of Jesus, the salvation in Jesus' name to the entire world. They are waiting for us, Jesus. Send us, my God. Prepare. Whatever we need, amen, hallelujah, go with us, open the doors, take us to the men of Macedonia, the men of China, the men of every country in Jesus' name. We give you the praise today, we honor you, we exalt you. For each time we meditate upon your word, we have cause to appreciate your great mercy, your great and amazing character. We love you, we bless you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and the church says, amen.